You're listening to episode 27 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. You guys, I couldn't be more excited for today's episode. We are talking about money. And even though this is something that one doesn't drive me, two doesn't really excite me, and three stresses me out, like anything with numbers, spreadsheets, financial planning, it always puts a pit in my stomach. So I asked someone to come on the show who knows this way better than me, which is why I hired him as my financial planner. Eric Potts, he has been one of my friends for pretty much my entire life, one of my closest friends. And I asked him to come on today. He's out here in Wisconsin visiting our family, hanging out. We're also going over some number stuff because he always finds a way to squeeze that in. But I asked him, I said, Eric, you know what? I think my listeners really need to hear from you because I struggle to speak to these things. Something that I'm not motivated by or that I'm stressed about, it's hard for me to come on and teach it. But Eric, this is what he does for a living. It's what he's done for a long time. It's what he's good at. And he has a way of simplifying this process. And today on the show, he is making financial planning, even if you've never done any of it, even if you're totally broke, even if you're in debt or making millions of dollars, he's going to make it actionable, simple, and he's going to save you a lot of let's just say, stress that you could encounter by doing this process wrong. We see it way too often that entrepreneurs, even people who are not entrepreneurs, whether you're an entrepreneur building your leadership up within a company, you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter what you are. Money drives your life in so many ways. And if you're not responsible with it, or if you don't know how to plan or save, it's going to cause stress in your life. It's going to take away from that opportunity to live the life that you've always imagined. So trust me, this episode is for you. It doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. If you have goals in life, if you want financial security, if you want to plan for those big dreams, if you want your family taken care of, if you want less stress, more money, and not necessarily having to do a ton more work to get there, this is it. Like just take out your notebook and let go of whatever narratives you've written about yourself when it comes to money and financial planning, this is going to be simplified and make you come out of this feeling really good and really ready. So let's get to the show. You are getting today's episode because of my Fit Immersion Workshop. I literally created this one-month intensive full immersion workshop with you in mind, the busy go-getter who wants more for their life, but they need that foundation of health. So what is it? There are two common themes I'm seeing a lot lately with the people that I work with, and they're asking me for two different things. One is for a plan, a plan to help them get fit for summer so that they feel confident and they feel more comfortable in their own skin. But on the other hand, people always want to know more about all of the health and holistic research I've done over the last decade. What are my go-to all-natural products? How do I get the kids to eat clean? What are the best supplements to use for different health issues or different ways of Uh, overcoming things like brain fog and fatigue? What are the different fitness routines that I use based on all the various goals that I see people have? What are the best resources? Like where can I go to learn more about this stuff? How do I optimize my gut health and my brain health? Or what is gut health and brain health? And how do I maximize my energy? So I've decided I'm going to marry those two questions about finding a kind of a fit, efficient plan to get you ready for summer so you're feeling confident and have that right mindset and that health, but also to answer a lot of those questions and give you like 10 years of research in 30 days. So this is a one-month full immersion workshop where I give you all of it. And here's the craziest part. For those that are ready to dive into their health, they're ready to lose weight or feel strong again or master their nutrition without dieting or depriving themselves and want to have a nice summer too. They want to nail their fitness routine, even if they have less than a half an hour a day. You'll get access to this workshop, a huge discount for my listeners only, and I'm going to coach you one-on-one in June for free. So you invest in the program and get started and dive in for this next month with me, and you get me as your coach for free. So here's the thing, because I'm doing both workshop and one-on-one style, I'm opening up 
very limited spots. And I have to do it that way because I value my time so immensely. So if this sounds like the right thing for you, be sure to head over to this episode's show notes, elizabethhartke.com forward slash podcast forward slash 027 and fill out the health assessment there. Or you can go to the link in my bio and fill out the health assessment over on Instagram too before the spots fill up because it is first come, first serve, assuming those who first come have a good mindset and a good attitude and are ready to do this thing. So this is going to be absolutely epic for those who participate, and I cannot wait to see you in there. Okay, Eric, welcome to Scaling Up. I have my good friend Eric Potts here, and he is also our financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And I've convinced him to come on the podcast to talk about all things finance, but really from the angle of What can we be doing to improve our wealth strategies, save more money, be smarter with our finances? And also from that entrepreneurial side, like once we start to bring in income, what should we be doing with it to be safe, smart? And we go way back, Eric. Yes, we do. Yes. So, yep. Eric is my best friend, Emily's older brother, not wiser, just older. Well, Well, debatable. (laughs) And he is out here in Wisconsin visiting our family. It's awesome to have him out. And you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I think so. Okay. All right. So tell us where I know where it all began, but I'll let you tell your version of the story. Where did it all begin for you? You know, you've been. Let's see if we remember it the same way. Yeah, probably not. Okay. (laughs) So grew up playing sports and everything in a small town where Elizabeth grew up. And I used to mow my parents' lawn Mm -hmm. and people would drive by. I was probably 13 at the time. People drove by and said, oh, wow, your lawn looks great, whatever. And so at that point, my dad was like, hmm, why don't you send out some flyers to the neighborhood? Long story short, did that. By the time I was 14 or 15, I had one little crew and my parents would drive me around. And then by the time I was 16, my first vehicle was a truck and I had trailers. And before you know, I was doing 85 or 100 lawns a week and still playing sports and all that stuff. And I was using QuickBooks and I was trying to do everything from a business sense at an early age with the guidance of my father at that point. So that was my first taste of being an entrepreneur and having to bill and give estimates and have customer service and all that stuff. Yeah. I will say you did have a very plush lawn. I do recall. It was very nice. Mm -hmm. Luckily at the time, my dad kept the sprinklers on, so it was always green. Now, not so much. (laughs) Not so much. All right. Times have changed. Yes, they have. And then from there, I went on to business school. I went to an accounting and finance college in Boston area called, it was Bentley College, now it's Bentley University, of which your mother also went. Yes, she did. And there I started to think, what do I want to do when I grow up? I always knew I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to be involved in finance, but I wanted to help people and have nobody tell me when I could take time off, when I had to be somewhere, that sort of thing. So that when I was thinking of careers, I was starting to narrow things down based upon that criteria. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I think that's what is going to really speak to people today is because we have a lot of listeners who are either starting to generate some income or already have really good cash flow in their business, but they haven't experienced that before in a way that it's like, it's a little unpredictable when you're an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. you're, what you make is often dictated by what you're doing Yep. versus your steady paycheck. You know exactly how much is coming in for the year. You can budget for things. Exactly. So I really want to get into to that side of things for people so that they know what to do. And I'll kind of give a little insight on how we started working with you. I mean, you've been yep. in our lives forever, but at one point Michael was working full-time at Liberty. Mm-hmm. So he was bringing a great salary yep. and I had already left my full-time job at that point once we got my business off the ground. Right. And then, I mean, you know the story, it kind of progressed to yep. a point where it's like, okay, wow, we don't need Michael's salary anymore. So we brought Michael home. So it was just my income through the business, which again is has been growing and steady and awesome, but still like we didn't know exactly what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And we felt like the res- Michael's really good with budgeting. Yep. So you come to a point where you're like, okay, just a your average spreadsheet budget might not be the smartest thing yeah. because just dumping money into savings or or just starting to spend more like that, you know, we found ourselves spending more. So we just, we brought Eric in to be able to guide us through this process, make sure we're setting ourselves up for retirement. And this was all before we turned 30 because 
we've learned that you have to really project and mm-hmm. look ahead at what you ultimately want if you if you want to get there. Right. And I've seen so many people in the solo entrepreneur space or or personal brand space where they start making more money and but their bank account and their net worth it's really not growing because they don't know what to do. So just kick us off with some like what are some of the things you see like the mistakes you see being made because i think that's a big thing is people might not even know they're making right mistakes so what are some of the things you see entrepreneurs doing wrong that are probably hurting them in that area so i think there's a few different areas as we've discussed over the years one would be in terms of their time mm-hmm. and the other would be in terms of money and cash flow and budgeting and that sort of thing so and also keeping in mind taxes because taxes play a huge role because Let's just start there because I'm talking about it. When you are working for an employer, you're getting a paycheck in which most oftentimes taxes have already been taken out and other things have been funded, such as health insurance, such as retirement plan contributions. Mm -hmm. So your HR department and your through your employer, through your W-2, through your paycheck, that stuff's already been deducted. So what you get is kind of what you're budgeting off. Mm -hmm. So now let's turn it around to now you're working for yourself. Nobody's giving you a paycheck anymore. So nobody's taking out taxes. Nobody's saving for the 401k contributions. No one's doing the health insurance savings anymore. So you have to have the wherewithal to not just say, oh, I'm bringing in X amount of dollars a month and I've replaced my salary. It's okay. Yeah. But you also got to remember, you got to pay for those other things that were already taken out before you got your paycheck, such as the taxes and the insurance and everything. So that's a big one is people not paying themselves first. And you can go back generations and listen to books on tape or on CD or go back and read stuff. And everybody's Wait, always- tape? Like, Sorry, I'm dating myself a little bit. Tape. Yeah, we talked about that last night, <laughs> yeah, tapes. And, yeah. But um, <laughs> if you go back, everybody always says, pay yourself first. And I, I think people hear it, but they don't necessarily know what that means. And it's really about setting aside money for your savings and those things that you know that you have to do. And then you kind of get to live off what's left over. And I I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs get excited, whether they quit their job or they've been an entrepreneur for a while and they get these big paychecks and they just go out and they're like, oh, I got 50 grand that just came in. I'm going to go spend 45 of it. And then all of a sudden tax time comes and they're like, whoa, whoops, I I owe this money and I, or I didn't put money towards retirement and and understanding how taxes work with the guidance of a, a tax advisor and then how finance side with inflation and interest and everything works with the likes of a financial planner, those things make a big difference in the long run. And if you don't do it early enough, you start building these bad habits and we can talk about habits a little bit. Yeah. Tell us about that. So, I mean, everybody knows what a habit is, right? I mean, I don't know what the statistic is anymore. You have to do something consistently for, it used to be 21 days. 21 days, yeah. yeah, In order for it to become a habit. So building good habits and paying yourself first and same thing with your time management, which is one of the other things, other areas that I see entrepreneurs make mistakes, not just entrepreneurs, but people in general feel like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Well, it's one thing when you're getting a consistent paycheck from an employer, because if you're wasting time, it's depending on your job, it may or may not make a difference. You're still going to get the paycheck. But now all of a sudden you're an entrepreneur and you're like, oh, I'm so busy. There's a huge difference between being busy and being profitable. And if you can't quantify what your billable hour is really worth and make sure that you're achieving that, you're kind of missing the boat. So, you know, on one hand, you're just an entrepreneur, but does that just mean you don't work for anybody else? But you still have to make a living. Mm -hmm. So in order to, you know, really focus your time and profitability and efficiencies and your billable hour... And not just be busy, but be profitable. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mind switch that people who are going to take on that entrepreneurial career for longevity and for lifestyle that they need to definitely keep in mind. Can we just stay there for a sec? Because yeah. this is one of the things we were kind of talking about it last night. Yep. The idea that you see it all the time on social media now that people use the word entrepreneur kind of loosely. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like you, ha- everyone has to start somewhere. So that's not to be critical about where someone is in their journey. Mm-hmm. Because when you're, when I was first starting out, I wasn't making money, you know, like, so you're still doing the work and you're not seeing the profitability right off the bat. Right. So it's not to discredit those people or to, or deflate them yep. because they're starting and they're doing, but there is such a big difference between just saying like, okay, I'm leaving my my nine to five. So now I have freedom of time, but you're not making the money yet. And you see the picture of the people like sitting out on the beach or slept until 11 a.m. Such an entrepreneur. It's like, no, that's not 
how we define entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is someone who's like in the trenches and working towards the trajectory of ultimately being profitable. Right. And that's something that like has to be redefined. Entrepreneur is not just a word that anyone who doesn't have a real job can use. Exactly. Yes. And, that's, and that's a dangerous game. Yeah. Because social media, you can put whatever perception you want out there, mm -hmm. but behind the scenes, someone could be drowning financially mm -hmm. and not even doing the things necessary yep. to get to where they ultimately want to go. And I think time is a big, a big piece of that. People aren't using it wisely. Yep. And just to step back for a second, mm -hmm. and I, this, I might get all over the place on this one, but for people who are looking to do something different and who want to be an entrepreneur, I think they need to start at the end, like in the future and say, why do I want to do this? What does it mean to me? And kind of define it and put parameters around it. Like, okay, I want to be successful. We mm -hmm. talked, we've chatted about this. So what does success mean? Success to you might be different than me, completely fine. But if you're going to achieve whatever that success means, whether it's money, whether it's time off, whether it's accomplishments, notoriety, whatever it might be, you need to set that as a goal and then kind of back into it because just we know people who are attorneys or executives or whatever it might be, they're being worked to the bone. They might make a lot of money, but they might be miserable and they might not feel like they're successful because they haven't achieved what they want to, whether it's balance or whatever it might be. But people from the outside looking in are like, wow, they're so successful. Mm -hmm. So when you come full circle and you say, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, what what does that mean to somebody? I, I think that's the place that a lot of people need to start. And don't constantly compare yourselves to your neighbor, or as everybody says, keeping up with the Joneses. Right. We, we've chatted about this. And in my line of work, so I only take on 10 new clients a year, but I've been in the business for 16 years. And I worked for a large private firm in Boston for 11 of those years before I went out on my own. And between my peers that were at the old firm and clients of mine and clients of theirs, the most, what I would consider successful people or the happiest people or the ones that have set themselves up great for longevity and retirement and the things that are important to them, oftentimes it was not the person in the neighborhood that drove the brand new luxury cars and the Mercedes and all this stuff and had the big house and all their kids went to private school. It was the guy on the other side of the street that drove the Honda Accord, You know, lived a modest home at the end of the day. Oftentimes I saw that their net worths and the way that they had set themselves and perhaps their families up for retirement and longevity was much greater because they didn't care who was driving what, whose house looked like what. And if you can just stay within yourself and what really matters to you, you shouldn't need to look outside to compare yourself. Yes. And, I, and I think as you go along your way in life, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, if you can kind of keep those things in check... I think it will make a huge difference because a lot of people put themselves into serious debt and therefore causes more stress. And now their lives aren't what they wanted right. them to be because they felt like they needed to keep up with their neighbor or their family member or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I know we've kind of go off, go off tangent. No, here, but, but I think that's so important because especially now where everyone's sharing what they're doing, right? Like yeah. we're see it's like plastered all over yeah. online and it's the highlight reel and it's, you can make it look like whatever you want. Yeah, like yeah. there are people who are, can't pay their bills and going through a divorce and their kids don't talk to them, but they're a life coach trying to coach someone through how they should live their lives. But behind the scenes, they're falling apart. And I think it's so important because that comparison, it's kind of like setting yourself up not to find success because now you're defining success by someone else. Exactly. And then you end up aiming for some what someone else has, which you don't even know if it's the real thing because you're just seeing what you perceive. Right. And then 15 years go by and you're living someone else's life. Yeah. Like where I got my quote, I'm mean, using air quotes for those who can't see me, dream job out of college. Right. I remember. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to move up the ladder and this is what I want to do. And then I started looking at the people who were up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had their appearances about them. They were always dressed to the nines. They came in like polished and mm -hmm. they were going through struggles at home in their marriage with their children. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you have this perfect life based on like the job and everything, but everything I want that's important to me and my value system is like crumbling for you. Maybe I shouldn't be aiming at where you're going mm. because that's not what I want. So you right. have to look at that whole thing and 
like you said, how you define success because you don't want to live someone else's life. Like you want to live the life that's intended for you up to your potential, all that. And it kind of goes back to like the 16 year old Eric who was saying, okay, I'm starting to get this taste of entrepreneurship as I'm building this landscaping business and realizing that I don't want my schedule dictated by someone else. Like mm-hmm. I want to do what I want. When I, and that's kind of how you started to define success. Exactly. And that by doing that, that's how I started to hone in more on what I wanted for a career. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you brought up a, a lot of a lot of things. And as you were saying, it made me start thinking a bit more. But those people who try to keep up with others end up falling on their face eventually and are more stressed out. And you're always trying to achieve something that's out of reach. And you're not doing it methodically mm-hmm. or out of passion. Right. You're doing it out of show. And right. those people that are for show, it eventually comes out. And I don't know. That's why you really have to decide for yourself, for your family, like what's important to you. If it's not family, that's okay. If it's not balance and having more time with the people that you love and care about, that's okay. But you need to define for you what's important and don't base it upon what somebody else's life might look like. Right. And and try to measure yourself to that. Definitely. So what are some ways people can do that process of like reverse engineering their vision for their lives? Like they say, okay, like it's easy to say things like, oh yeah, I want to be like, I don't have to work after, by the time I'm 50 and I want that beach home. And like, but how can you do that process of like working from the end result you want backwards and making sure it actually kind of comes to life and planning for it? You got to have a blueprint for it. Mm-hmm. So take some time, brainstorm. And I feel like sometimes the people that are most quote unquote successful are those individuals that followed a passion whether it was a passion for a dream or a passion for something that they enjoyed doing day to day, whether it was health and fitness or a certain lifestyle. So if you can do that and then kind of scale back and say, okay, well, what are some things that I can do and brainstorm to earn money or to earn a living or, you know, to build that lifestyle? What does it look like? And we were joking around about it the other day. People always will you know, have a stigma around those of us that do vision boards, mm-hmm. right? And those of us that write down our goals and we look at them. It's all of these principles that over the years I have either been taught, and we should talk about mentors and stuff mm-hmm. too, yeah. that I've been taught or that I took the time to read and educate myself on or took certain classes or whatever it might have been and grabbed what you thought was important and did them. And, and for me, it was you got to write down your goals. Not only got to write them down, you have to track them to Mm -hmm. see where you are on your goals. And you actually have to look at them. And then these vision boards, and I have mine from over the years. And I would say some of my closest friends don't even know that I do vision boards (laughs) because it's not for them, right? It's for me. Right. And I went back to some that I did 15 years ago. Now I've been in the business for 16 years right out of college. And they were pretty spot on and they were all over the place. Like there was a picture of like family and like a lake and vacation stuff. And then a picture of a guy who was really in shape because that was important to me, always mm-hmm. being in st- shape for health and fitness. And there was never a picture of like dollar bills right? or there was like fancy jets or like anything like that. For me, that wasn't my importance. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how do you you know, reverse engineer, I think you need to set up what's important to you. However you do that, review those things, track them, and then also perhaps find a mentor And you can have different mentors for different aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. A mentor doesn't have to be somebody that makes a ton of money. If it's important to you, then maybe, but just be careful what might be on the other side of that person and how they got there, perhaps. For me personally, it was certain people. There's somebody that served on a board of directors actually with your mom Mm -hmm. who I liked his energy and I liked how he was very entrepreneurial and had his hands in a lot of different things. That's what I took from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I chatted one day. And one of the courses that I've taken over the years in my early career of financial planning uh, was a course called Strategic Coach. It's a gentleman, Dan Sullivan. So I used to fly to Chicago four times a year, once a quarter. And I did it for four years. And I was in a group of all entrepreneurs. It, so like a mastermind type. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They weren't all finance people. They were people who owned construction companies and they were dentists and everybody. But I mean, it was so legit that you had to actually send in your tax returns to get placed into a certain group based upon your peers. So the conversations, I got a lot, yeah, from the instructors and stuff about how to be an entrepreneur and how to balance your time. But I also got a lot from the peers that were that were in those classes with me and the breakout sessions and the discussions and hearing what other people, other entrepreneurial struggles were. But finding people that you can have conversations with that you trust 
might not be, like I said, one person for all things that you you're wanting in life. And then I have other people that I love their balance in life. They're super ethical, moral people. I would trust them with anything, but do they make a ton of money? The ones I'm thinking of, no, but I love everything about them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care that they don't make a lot of money. They are happy, happy people. Right. So I think finding those, those people that you can either study, grab information from and, and start to kind of build the new you, if you will, if you're trying to make this transition from, you know, working for the man, getting a W2 to all of a sudden working for yourself, you're going to need that support and some people to bounce questions off of and, and trust their opinions. Right. So I, I don't know if I kind of went no, off. No, that, I think that's so, so important because people try to do it as an island. And I think that's where we get, I mean, that's why we reach out to you about the right. financial piece of it because there are so many aspects of what you do that you're, you know, you know your stuff, but also we know you as a person, yep. we know how you live your life and yep. they, they, it aligns with us. Right. So we didn't want just someone who knows money to handle our money. We right. wanted someone who understands money, understands our vision for life, yep. appreciates family, like all those things. And that's been a huge gift to us because now we're not just funneling money into one place or another or worse, just spending it because we don't really know what to do. So that's a, a big thing that I want to talk about. And I, I feel like People think that when they start to make more money that all of a sudden they're going to actually make more money. But if you're a crappy spender yeah, yeah. when you're broke, you're going to be a crappy spender when you, you have wealth. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't understand what you can do to, <laughs> I don't know, plan and, and get that in line, yeah. you're going to run into trouble no matter how much money you're making. You see it all the time. Like professional athletes exactly. are making hundreds of millions of dollars and yep. you're like, wait a minute, they're broke. They, they just filed bankruptcy. How does this even happen? People that win the lottery. Right. Most of, most oftentimes end up in a worse place yeah. than when they started before they won the lottery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's scary. It is scary, but once again, they never had a blueprint mm -hmm. and they, they never were taught simple habits and, you know, what to do with this wealth now that they have it. Now, if we go back and we can pick a, a time when we were chatting and I was advising you and Michael when Michael was still working mm -hmm. because it was a big step as it would be in any household for him to stop working. Right. And we had numerous conversations about, well, can we do it? How do we do it? How do we replace that income? How much income do we really need to live off of? And, and what does it look like long-term with that loss of his income? Mm -hmm. And so you need to have somebody that can go through and kind of guide you on that. And for those of you listening who are interested in finding somebody, whether it's in your area or otherwise, find somebody that's independent, that doesn't necessarily work for an insurance company or somebody that has products, because my guess is they're going to try to advise you to use those certain products. And they're going to say that that's going to get you there. Mm -hmm. You need to find somebody that's independent, that's unbiased, that that really does planning right? and not just saying, oh yeah, I can manage your money because it really has to do with this, your life's financial blueprint that you need to have as a guideline and trust that person's opinion who helped get you there. But yes, building those habits. So um, we've also talked about it that over the years, probably over the last, I guess, probably five or six years, I've always paid myself the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. So my lifestyle necessarily hasn't changed because I, I like my lifestyle. I have good balance, but- my net worth has grown significantly because anything I made over and above that salary that I paid myself for that draw all these years, I've invested that, whether it's in property or other businesses or whatever it might be, or things that you're passionate about that will provide wealth down the road. That's what's important. And if for those people that can't really grasp it or understand what it means long-term, have somebody show you, if you do a little bit of this now... 10, 20, 30 years from now, this is what it looks like. Right. And I oftentimes feel like people need to see that because not everybody is a finance or a, a money person or, or an accountant. They can't understand the compound effect that that has 5, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. And all that means is if you can do it properly and efficiently now, you have to work so much less or, or you know, you don't have to work as hard down the road because your money's worked harder for you. Right. And understanding how some of those principles can help you will make a big difference down the road. What are some things that someone could do today? Maybe like they're not ready to hire a financial advisor. Sure. Let's say pre that stage. Yep. What are some things that someone who's starting to bring in some income and wants to be smart with their money, mm -hmm. what can they do? So first off, you need to understand how much it costs you to live your lifestyle. And I don't mean 
going out to eat, you know, four or five times a week. I mean, really, what does it cost for your your housing, insurance, clothing, shelter, like all those things that you need in life? And mm-hmm. let's start there and let's get you to there first. So you have a clear understanding of what you spend and why you spend it. Yeah. And then if you feel okay in that space, anything you make over and above that, I call them buckets. Just start setting up different silos of money for yourself that you start to fund. And whether it's goal oriented, such as purchase of a property or education funding for your young kids or mm-hmm. buying something down the road, set those things up, but also allocate money for retirement. Because the days of our parents slash grandparents time, when people went to go to work and they worked at the same place for 30 years mm-hmm. and they had these great pensions and social security, those days are gone. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of clients with big pensions anymore. If they do, they had them for a period of time and they switched over to something else that was employee funded, such as 401ks or whatever. So you need to start putting money away and building those habits. So as an example, let's say it costs you $3,000 a month to live your lifestyle and you're making five. Well, remember, if now you're an entrepreneur. If you haven't accounted for taxes, that's going to creep up on you. So yeah. take some of that money, that extra couple of thousand dollars a month and have yourself a, a tax savings account and just funnel some money into that. Worst case scenario, if you funded it too much, you'll roll it over to the next year or you can use it for another goal that you had. Mm-hmm. But get in the habit of doing that Every time you get yourself a paycheck, however you're getting paid as this entrepreneur, um, when I say paycheck, I mean whatever your income source is, do it every paycheck or do it every month, but consistently start to do it because it'll add up. You'll forget that you even did it. And now you're just living off of what's left because you kind of paid and allocated yourself first. So when I say pay yourself, it's funding these other buckets. And then once you get to a place where you're like, okay, oh, wow, I'm paying a lot in tax okay, well, how do I reduce that tax burden? Do I have enough in my liquid savings that now I can start funding stuff that's tax deductible to help myself on the tax side of it? And for those of you listeners that that don't know this, Elizabeth does not care for this type of stuff. As we sit here, she's starting to glaze over as she does in most of our meetings. (laughs) I'm daydreaming about my vision board. Yeah, see, exactly. But but it is important. And although some people, it's it's not their thing. Oftentimes when I meet with clients, it's not their thing. That's Mm -hmm. why they've hired me. Or if they kind of like money, like Michael gets numbers. He's a numbers guy, yeah. but it's necessarily not his thing. But setting these habits are what's important. Just kind of systematically paying yourself into these different buckets. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing to note is that it doesn't have to be your thing. And even if you're not ready to bring someone else in yet, if you care about your goals, if your goals require money, If you're looking down the road and you say, yeah, I want to retire by this age, or I want to be able to buy that second home Mm -hmm. or put my kids through college when it's $500,000 a year to go to a freaking school Mm -hmm. and not have them go into any debt, like whatever your vision is, in order to do those things, you don't have to like numbers, but you do have to pay attention and you do have to understand what you should be doing with your money because otherwise you're going to be 30 years down the road and say, oh crap, none of this happened because I guess it just wasn't my thing. So yeah. there, and there are so many tools now. Like what's mm-hmm. the couple of my friends use? Is it Mint? Mint's a budgeting tool. Yeah. Uh, there's a version of it that's free. Yeah. And yeah, you, you link your checking account, your credit cards up to it and it'll start to categorize your spending. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to get out the Excel spreadsheet or start jotting things down yourself, that's a good tool for people to use. It kind of does it for you and you just have to go through and make sure that your categories are correct. But at least it starts giving you a basis for, oh, I, here's how much I spend on food. And because until you start actually tracking it, you'll be surprised. Even me, somebody who understands money and understands expenses and all this stuff, you know, when I started really tracking what I was spending money on, you're like, oh, I thought I was only spending X on food. It's really Y. And mm-hmm. I thought I only went out once or twice a month, but really went out four times. And, mm-hmm. and it all adds up. And if you have a ton of money, then it, you don't necessarily have to keep such a tight of a budget. But for those clients that make half a million or a million dollars or more, they still keep a budget. And those that have are much better off because they were able to fund these other things and were more strategic with their taxes and more strategic with all these things because they were able to budget. Yeah. And one of the best pieces of advice I got from one of my mentors, he said, don't live within your means. Mm -hmm live beneath your means. Absolutely. And not to a point where you're like, oh, sorry, friends, I can't go out with you like even once this year to grab a drink because I'm living beneath my means. But it's like really weighing each decision, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying, yeah, sure, it's convenient 
to go grab a coffee from Starbucks today, but that's five bucks Mm -hmm. and I can afford to do it today and that's fine, but it will compound and it will add up. If I just start making my coffee at home and I'm just being more responsible and a little more conservative with my money, then you can live the way so few people ever get to live Mm -hmm. because you didn't overdo it. And I see it all that we were talking about the other day. Like we go to these events in business and entrepreneurship and you, it's kind of going back to that keeping up with the Joneses where everybody's dressed the best and Mm -hmm. everybody shows up in the nicest car. And are they living in a way that works for the life that they ultimately want to have? Are they so focused on today and what I look like today and what I want today and what's easy and convenient and fun that they're not willing to make the sacrifices to get to where they really want to be. And oftentimes it's not just a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Like, like you alluded to earlier, you said, actually, you know, making your coffee at home versus going out, you haven't really sacrificed Mm -hmm. anything. You're still getting your caffeine. You're still having your, your coffee, Mm -hmm. but you just went about it a different way. So it's about being, being smarter as opposed to having to work harder to be able to go out to Starbucks and pay six bucks for your latte as opposed to being at home, getting yourself a machine. And over the course of the first six months, you've paid for it and you still got the same cup of coffee right. almost. Right. I'll, I'll go back to one thing that you said that I always got a kick out of. So as we spoke about, I learned and I understood and I took grasp of goals and, and tracking things and vision boards at a, from an early age. So here I am, I'm 23 years old, part of a large private full-service financial planning firm out of Boston. When I joined the firm, there were 40 advisors. I was probably the youngest advisor. Then fast forward, I am at the time 28. Okay, so five years I've been in the business. And now I'm at a meeting, our firm grew, there's maybe 200 advisors. And we're at this agency meeting and there was somebody speaking and they talked about goals. Like how many advisors have their one-year goals? So everybody kind of raised their hand most likely because their manager at the time said, you need to show me what your goals are. Right. Okay. Then it was like, okay, who's got their five-year goals? Who's got their 10-year goals? Who writes them down? Who reviews them? And hands just started dropping, dropping, dropping. And I'm looking around like, what? You guys consider yourselves advisors mm-hmm. and that's how you're presenting yourselves to your your clients, but yet you don't even track your own stuff. Like, So at that point I, I said, am I at the right place? Am I surrounding myself by salespeople? Or by people that are really projecting and being advisors and mm-hmm. doing planning. And are these just salespeople? And that's when I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start thinking about going on my own because the people I was surrounding myself with from a professional capacity were not what I necessarily wanted to be associated with. Nothing against the firm or those people. I just wanted to grow something that was different to provide better service and a, a truly holistic approach for my clients that would benefit them in the long run, not what, not just grabbing assets under management. Right. So anyway. Yeah. And there was something you told me the other day. And it, Can we you were, repeat it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait, you can't read my mind. <laughs> um, it would be bad if you could, really. Yeah, it's not good. No. Um, so we were chatting about uh, higher education and just like the school system mm-hmm. and how it's mm-hmm. such a bummer. I was telling you how I saw that meme on social media that was like, someone's like, how do I balance a checkbook? And then the reply from the teacher was Mm. like, here's how you do algebra. And, you know, how do I figure out net versus gross? And Mm -hmm. it's like, let me talk to you about all of our previous presidents in the history of this country. It's like, we are desperate to understand these things. We were never taught. And then we get to this place where like, not only did we not know how to do it, and when you go to work for someone else, it's kind of a little bit is done for you, even though people end up in bad situations when they're working for other people yep. um, or they can't attain the life they ultimately want to live because of it. But then we break out into entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, not only do I not know how to do these things, I have to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know the difference between like net and gross. I don't even know right. how to like budget my money. I know none of it. So can you talk about yeah. net and gross? Cause I think this is a big place where people get into a lot of trouble. Well, and I kind of alluded to it earlier when we were talking about when you were getting your paycheck at work, what you were getting in your check was the net because right. the taxes had already been paid, your contributions to the 401k, your health insurance, all those deductible things had already come out of your paycheck. So by the time you actually get it and it goes in your account, that's the net. Now switch gears Now you're an entrepreneur. I had a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. um, friend, client of mine, who was successful in his trade and he made good money at a young age. And he came to me one day and I kept saying, you know, let's call him John. I kept Mm -hmm. saying, John, hey, I, I I don't care what 
how much your company made. What did you make? So he kind of would look at me and be like, well, what do you mean? This is what I made. Now, he was a marketing major at a really good school, but finance wasn't his thing. It's no big deal. And I said, well, give me all your books and let's take a look at it. Long story short, to not bore all the listeners, he came to me one day and said, I grossed a million dollars this year. And at the time, let's say he was probably 27 or 28 years old. That's great. I still came back to what did you personally make? Mm -hmm. Because the business grossed over a million. But what did you, John, actually take home in your pocket to live your lifestyle, to save, to fund your buckets of money, to fund your lifestyle? And he kind of looked at me and and at the time, I, I knew that he had been borrowing money from a family member to kind of make ends meet. And so the numbers in my head quickly were not adding up. So the net, once he netted everything out, he made nothing. Mm-hmm. He was not putting himself into the overall estimates and the equation when he was going out to give people estimates for what he was doing for work. So, and the look on his face was like he had seen a ghost. He was white. He felt sick. All these years. And ultimately, what ended up happening was he ended up shutting down that part of his business and had to file for bankruptcy because he got himself into such a predicament because he was so concerned about gross revenue and I'm bringing in all this money and not looking at the bottom line. And that's really important. And if we switch back to what you said earlier a couple minutes ago about kids now in college. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that for a second, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's really disturbing. So- we were just going over this, our numbers today with Michael and, yeah. and you talking about like the projections and yep. yeah. And so my youngest sister, Elizabeth's one of her best friends, my sister, Emily, always gets really agitated when I bring this up, but I was an adjunct professor <laughs> at a very good state school You're at so fancy. the University <laughs> of New Hampshire. And, um, and my sister gets beside herself because here she is with her master's degree in education and she just can't believe it that I've never gone to school for education. Right. But it was very enlightening to me and to my students because here I am, it's an elective course. It was real estate finance and they're all seniors and they're all getting ready to graduate. This was the fall semester. So we go through and obviously we're talking about real estate and finance and all this stuff. And some of the questions they would ask me, I'm like, hmm, well, why don't you know that answer? And okay. So finally one day, I said, all right, everybody put everything away, tear out a piece of paper, write down one question or two questions. I don't care what it's about. Hopefully it's not about real estate finance, just about life mm-hmm. and send them up and we're going to discuss them. So I had about 32 kids in the class and they all sent their questions up and I was flabbergasted at the questions that were being asked and no disrespect to their questions or the way they were brought up, but just the fact that in the last 21, 22 years of your life, how did you not ask these questions before or experience these types of things? And we're talking things as simple as when I say simple, to me, they're simple, but maybe to some people, they're not. How would I buy a car? Like, what do you mean? Well, like, do I go to the, do I go negotiate? Do I call somebody on the phone? Okay. Well, how do I pay for it? Okay. You got to go get a loan. Well, how do I get a loan? Okay. So this came up to literally a class, a full hour and a half class of all of these questions and answers. And I sat back after that class and thought, oh my gosh, I should teach a course on life skills. Yes. And not that I'm, not that I have all the answers. I've just had a lot of different experiences and I take things for granted because they might've come easy to me where they might not for somebody else. And what they do for a career or whatever might come easy to them and not to me. But there were so many simple, basic principles that we were either taught or absorbed over the years that I feel, and this is going to make me sound old, I feel like this generation now is kind of missed and they're really concerned with the technology and kind of like this whole facade that you stay behind, you know, you stick behind your social media because at least it's out there and people think one way, Mm -hmm. kind of circling back to what you said earlier. But really, they're so concerned with posting something here or there, yet they don't even know like how they're going to put any money into savings next month. And savings might sound boring, and I agree, it kind of is boring, but it provides certain freedoms in a and opportunities for people and less stress for people, but people are too stressed out about their social media yeah. or whatever it is. And I'm, I like social media. I think it's great when used for the right purpose mm-hmm. to be boastful, probably not, but to show people what your passions are and your experiences and, and things that people like to see and your family and that sort of stuff, or 
for business. Right. I will be the first to admit that I don't use social media very often for my business. My business comes from word of mouth, CPAs, attorneys, current clients, 10 new clients a year. That's it. So I don't have to be out there heavily marketing my, my business. I don't market at all. Yes, I have a website, but for some people's business, it's huge. And if you're spending your time being profitable, using that social media to be profitable is fantastic. But my students were you were not doing that. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe that they wouldn't spend more time. You're graduating from college in six months and you're going to be most likely out on your own in this world. How are you going to go get a lease for a, a place, for an apartment, for whatever it is? How are you going to go get that car? And then other things came up with a professor. I love that. <laughs> oh my God. My sister's rolling her eyes. Yeah. Professor, how do I, should I take this job over here that's paying me 80 grand but I'm going to live in this state or do I take this job over here? That's going to pay me a hundred, but I'm going to live here. Oh, and this job's going to provide this type of benefits and this job won't. Which one do I take? I think I'm going to take the one that's going to pay me more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Did you go to what you're actually going to be netting? Did you look mm-hmm. at the big picture? And a lot of them are like, what do you mean? I'll get paid a hundred grand over here. I'll get paid 80 over here. Why wouldn't I do that one? Well, because that one has income tax. It's going to be more expensive for you to live there. Is that the lifestyle that you want? They're not going to provide as many benefits. When you narrowed it all down, now which one do you want? Oh, but those were questions that were coming up. And I I was happy that I had a lot of the, I don't want to say answers, but a lot of the experiences to maybe guide them a certain way. But I was also scared for them. Yeah. Right? Like finance doesn't have to be your thing. And we're not just talking finance. That's why I said it was life skills. Right. This is like survival. Right. Or like, and this didn't come up necessarily, but like, how do you change a tire? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you get a flat tire on the side of the road, what are you doing? Most time people are going to call. And I'm kind of going you know, offline with this a little bit, but it was just very eye-opening teaching that class to seniors who should have their lives somewhat together six months before they're graduating. Yeah. And they, and- were, and they were all good kids. I enjoyed them all, but it was just, and it wasn't just my class. I mean, that was, that's the demographic of mm-hmm. students right now. And that's, The other thing is that these are seniors going out into the real world, looking at the jobs and likely also coming into that scenario with a buttload of student loan Mm. debt. So it's like, are you accounting for that? Did you, like we talked about it before, like you really should account for that. Hopefully some of the listeners here are really young and can account for that before they go into school because it's like, or a parent that's, you know, eventually going to have a kid because it's like, oh my God. You're going to go to a private school and take on $200,000 in loans and then go on to be a teacher where right. that are they're way underpaid in our society. So right. it's like, what's your game plan? What does that look like? And then we talked about the other day on, on the podcast on episode 26 about the concept of they come out with all this debt mm-hmm. and then their mindset becomes, well, I'm already in so much debt. So what's another X? Those bad habits just continue. Mm -hmm. And to try to break, as most people know, whether it's diet, whatever the bad habit is, to try to break a bad habit is really difficult. As we discussed, it takes 21 days of consistent behavior to build a a, a new habit. And yeah, I you know what? I feel like, once again, it's going to make me sound and feel old. You are. Just own it. I'm not, for for you listeners, I'm not that old. I'm, (laughs) I'm under 40. But society, I feel like, is to blame for some of this. Because whether it's bragging rights for the student or the parents to say where their son or daughter went to school, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does to an extent what you want to do for a career. And if you don't know, then don't go spend your own money in terms of loans or your parents' money and go to a 70 or, believe it or not, 70 or $80,000 college just to try to figure yourself out and figure life out. There's no shame in going to a community or a state school, getting a good education, getting all of your general courses yeah, done or whatever it is, whatever stuff. it is, yeah. and figuring out what you actually want to do in life and then have your employer maybe pay for the rest of your education. Or at least now, I also think that you're going to absorb and get more out of your education when you're now focused on what you want to do because you're really willing to learn that trait, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Yeah. I feel like that's a conversation that could really be worth having on the show at some point of just weighing that whole, I'm for higher education when it's the right thing. And when it, it, like for me, I did feel like it was four years of figuring out my life and having a lot of fun and coming out and ultimately not using my degree, which is fine. It all leads you to where you're going to end up. But 
for some people, that's catastrophic with the debt they take on. I will tell you though that you actually do use your degree. I do. You're right. Be- because you're right. and and you might not feel it because that's not your career. Mm-hmm. But do your listeners know what you went to school for? Yeah, I think I've talked about how I went for journalism and and communications with some marketing in there. I mean, I definitely use all that stuff. And Elizabeth's wit growing up always is what got me because she's very quick wit, <laughs> which I we have a lot in common in terms of the types of comedy and the stuff that we listen to and enjoy, but her wit and the way she wrote things down, you could really get a good understanding for what she was trying to come across with. And you never got bored with her writings. And so with you going to school for that has helped your career because you look at your posts. Now you yeah. look at all the stuff that you do now and it keeps people intrigued because of the way that you write. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean the whole college thing. And then we've talked about this too. We were brought up to go to school, Mm -hmm. to go to college, to then get a good job, to work for somebody else. Because if you're going to get a good job, you're going to work for somebody else. And then, you know, you fund your retirement, you get married, you have kids. And then hopefully by the time you retire, there's enough money there. Well, what did you do with those 30, 40 years? Mm -hmm. Were you happy? Did you have time off with your family? Like, I I don't feel, and I'm a product of going to good schools and stuff. But I don't feel like you have to do that. I know so many people that fell on their face, couldn't graduate, never went to college, who are phenomenal entrepreneurs. Furthermore, those people who maybe were entrepreneurs and then fell on their face Mm -hmm. and filed for bankruptcy or whatever, they got up and they did it again. And a, a good friend of mine, he fell on his face with a bunch of real estate, had bad business partners. At the age of 35, he was worth 13 million bucks. He was the largest, one of the largest property owners in terms of apartments and stuff in our area. And then he invested in a restaurant, knew nothing about it, and it buried him. So 42 years old, he went from driving a Porsche, if that's important to you, to driving his mother-in-law's Ford Explorer with 200,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. He never cried about it. He just picked himself up like a big boy. Now he's looking to sell his his new company to a big company, let's say Amazon or something like that for 60 million bucks. (laughs) But he never cried. He always kept a good, but what an ego kill, but he didn't let it get to him. Right. So there's no, there's no shame in failing at something. Understand why you failed, pick yourself up and keep going. The point is, I don't think you have to go to college or an expensive school to understand some of these principles and to, and to get to know you and what makes you tick. Definitely. And if people stop and think about it, how exciting is that? Oh, wow. I get to go to a really expensive school, come out with a ton of debt possibly, and then go work for somebody else. And they get to tell me what I get to do. Like, huh? Yeah. On what planet does that sound great to <laughs> Appealing, you? Appealing. I know. I mean, come on. And it's so funny because you're talking about how, you know, like the, what society says is nor quote normal, mm-hmm. like go to a good school, come out, work for somebody else, right. eventually retire. Hopefully you have your health by the time you retire. Exactly. Hopefully you, you know, your marriage and your, your life is in good standing because you didn't work away your whole life. And we went to that concert last night. So we, yeah. friends of ours, he, Micah Christian was on the show. I'll link in the show notes to his episode. Their group, Sons of Serendip, are amazing. And so good. So good. And we went, thankfully, they part of their tour was in Wisconsin. So we went to the show last night. And before the last song, Micah was talking about the most important thing on a tombstone. I love this. I did too. I, I've heard it before. Yeah. I knew where he was going and I, I loved it. I wanted to hear it again. So impactful because it's like- We'll, we'll say it. Yeah. The people, dash. Yeah, the dash. If people think it's the name, the quote- the birth, the death, it's the dash. It's what's between the birth and the death and what you're doing with mm-hmm. that dash and what you make of it. And if right. you your life passes you by because you follow the blueprint that someone else created for you. Their plan. Their plan for you. Yep. Their life for you. Mm-hmm. It's not your life, not your purpose, not your potential. You get to the end, or not even the end. You get to 65 when society tells you you're allowed to retire. Mm-hmm. And you look back and like so much of your dash has already been lived. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. This isn't what I wanted. This is what isn't what I thought that my life would become. So going back to that blueprint and look like proceeding with the end in mind. Yeah. And looking and saying, "All right, this is what I really want. Don't fall I say it all the time, like don't fall into the trap of assuming that time is going to get you there." Mm-hmm. Time is a thief if you are not working with it. Yeah. It will rob you of your your greatest dreams and your plans and everything yep. if you're not like, okay, this is where I want to end up. 
Am I tracking and doing the things required of me to get there? And this isn't about the money, but money does allow you to do some of the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, oh, I want to buy that house someday. Hopefully time will get me there. What do you think? Someone's just going to hand you a house on the beach right. so where your grandchildren can all play and you create those memories that you daydream about? Yep. No, you have to map that out. And none of this is about the, it, the people who make it about the money never find the success. They I, I agree. They never find the success and they oftentimes don't find the happiness no. because you're always chasing it. Yeah. Always. It's never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is coming from a financial advisor who helps people plan out their money, but it's so that they can experience the life they want to live, not so that they can have the money sitting in their bank account right? All, with no purpose to it. All of my clients, I, I like to keep balance for them. Mm-hmm. And you actually asked me an hour ago, Eric, when do you want to retire? Mm-hmm. And I said, I will never retire. But it's because I don't hate what I do. Right. It's because I already have the balance in my life. Once again, for those people listening, and I'm going to go back and listen, we haven't mentioned dollar figures or making a lot of money. This right. isn't about money. At least for us, you and I, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's about what do you do with your life and having that proper balance. And if, and I will say that there are some employers now that are they're more well-rounded in their thinking in terms of family and giving people time off and allowing people to work from home which is great. But at the end of the day, you still have to report into somebody to get this paycheck. But if you can be happy in your life and with what you do and how you do it, and you have this constant balance, why would you stop that? And for me, that involves what I do for a career, which is helping people. I I don't ever plan to stop that. So when you asked me an hour ago, that was right. That was my answer to you. I, I don't ever think that I'll stop doing what I'm doing because I enjoy it. Right. But I also have the balance now. So it's not like I'm going to get burnt out and I get the time with my family and the time, like here we are, what day is it? Tuesday. Yeah. And I get to come out here and hang out with you guys for a couple of days. And right. if I want to go to visit family members or friends somewhere else, I get to do that. Mm-hmm. Or I lived in California for three or four months with my sister, my brother-in-law and my niece. Like mm-hmm. that's balance for me. I was still working. I was still doing my conference calls. I was still following the markets, still being a great advisor, but I was able to set it up to have balance. So yeah. For me, I know we're talking about entrepreneurs and some of the habits and all that stuff, but everybody needs their own why, mm-hmm. right? Everybody needs their own why. And I, I know you've talked about it and stuff like that. And But what is your why? What does it look like? Just sit back, close your eyes. And what does that look like to you? And then find the tools and the people to support how to get you to your why and fill in your dash mm-hmm. with how you want to. You're the creator of your dash. The ironic part was, for those people listening, we were at, we walk into this sh- concert last night. <laughs> this is it's really really funny. We walk in and there's parking like right by. Um, we're walking like five minutes before it starts, and we look around. It's the three of us who are in our thirties, and we look around like, whoa, uh, what's going on? And we say what's going on because we were the youngest by 50, 50, 50, 50 years, five zero, five years. zero years. And we're like walking to try to find a seat. And we we now go into the auditorium and we're like, oh my good Lord, there are walkers <laughs> up against the walls everywhere. And respirators. And- respirators. And as I'm sitting there, the irony of it is because in my relationship with Elizabeth, we have a lot of things in common. We have lots of chats about various things, but one of them is has to do with essentially what this dash is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there like, huh. You know, we have Micah talking about the dash. He brings it up. But an hour earlier, as I'm sitting in the auditorium, I'm looking around. I'm like, we still have the opportunity, the, th- the three of us who are 50 years younger than everybody, to still change and guide our lives the way we want to. We have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Those people don't anymore. Right. So it, it just gave, it just was another time for me to reflect, to say, what do I want to do between now, here I am, and the person sitting next to me when I'm them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some serious perspective. It really was perspective. As much as we were joking around about how young we were and everything, I was able to kind of extract that from it and really think as I'm listening to Micah's beautiful music and everything, think about, wow, we still have this life and this opportunity and time in our dash, if you Mm -hmm. will, to do what we want. But how are we going to get there? Yeah. Yeah. And it was so powerful. I feel like, well, just to give some context, we were trying to figure out why we were the, like, we're not exaggerating. There were over a thousand people at this concert. Every single one of them 
the youngest people there aside from us were probably in their 70s. And those were like the spring chickens. People were yes. like 80s, 90s. Uh, no, no word of a lie. There was probably 10 or 15 people under the age of 40 out of 1,000. Maybe. 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 I don't even, I think that's a bold statement. I think because there were three grandkids there that right. were, yeah. were taking their grandparents. And we were trying to figure out why this was because that's not like the crowd that Micah's group, Sons of Serendip, attracts, but it was um, an association and right. it was like an event. And Micah got us tickets. So we weren't a part of that association. So when we walked in, we're like, what the hell? But long story short is that you're watching someone like Micah, Christian, and the other guys of this group living their dash. Like, their music is making an impact Mm -hmm. and it's so inspiring. It gets Michael every time when we go see them because Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful and so incredible that it's like, it's awe inspiring when you listen to them and it makes you feel alive. Like they can be singing like a slow ballad and my husband's getting like fired up because he's like, Oh my God, this is like, I know I want to go do, I want to go live my life and my purpose. And, you know, we were laughing about the fact that we're sitting there no word of a lie between like sets. You could hear people's like oxygen tanks and (laughs) like the walkers clicking and whatever. But it was this moment of like, oh my gosh, like this, we're surrounded by kind of a glimpse into the future of like, what are we going to do with our time? Yeah. And are we living it to our fullest? Yep. And are we using our resources to make sure that we get to where we ultimately want to go? Right. And it, it was just kind of this like, whoa moment. And yeah. Eric leaned over and says to Michael and I, like, we have 40 years that they don't have. Right. You know, like we have time, hopefully, God willing, to continue to live with that purpose and get to where we want to go. Yeah. And it, it was true. It was just so, so powerful. And I just think so few people are self-aware enough to say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not on the right path. And do I have the balls to just to change course and to do things the way I know in my heart, I'm supposed to be doing them. But like we've talked about, it's the comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And I, and I've said for, how old am I? I've said for, don't say 20 years. (laughs) I have said for about 20 years, outwardly, the best things in my life both personally and professionally have always happened when I step out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Does it mean they were perfect? Nope. But if I have, if I hadn't ever stepped out of my comfort zone on various things throughout my life, I would have missed out on some of the most memorable, best experiences that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people's career is that where it's, I understand it's difficult to step out of your comfort zone, but if you can build your team or your tribe and, and get the resources and seek information and ask questions and be open-minded, there's another path for you to create and take. And I tell people too, you know, maybe you haven't left your full-time job yet and you have this dream of building something. Let that full-time job be the investor yeah. for your for your business idea. Right. Fuel your passions. Exactly. Yep. You don't have to take this massive risk that's going to put you in a bad spot because you're like, yeah, I got to follow my passion. I got to do my thing. I quit my job and now I can't feed my kids. Right. Yeah. You got to be smart about it. You have to have this period of I'm willing to make some sacrifices and do some extra work and sacrifice a little sleep so that I can get this thing to Mm -hmm. a place where it's financially viable and a smart decision for me to leave the job. I mean, you helped us with that process before Michael left his. And it was a gift because- it allowed us to be really confident in our decision. And it wasn't like a, oh, we've now just replaced his income and we're going to, like, he's going to pull the plug on his career. It was like, we replaced his income times multiple oh, the, yeah. and made plenty of wiggle room for all the other yes. expenses, the taxes. Built yes. Into it. Yep. And always with that vision mm-hmm. of what we want for the future. Because one of the big things we've been funding since before we, I, I don't even think I had, given birth to our first child yet we were funding their multiple kids before i even had one college fund because hopefully something will give and higher education will be different Mm -hmm. and we can use that money for something else but assuming that inflation keeps happening and college is outrageous and my kids want to go to college and they want to have a great education i don't want them to come out with all this debt so we're planning for that yep ahead of the cars, the houses, the whatever, like oh, yeah. that's first. Yep. And I don't know. I just think like that, but that's what I value. It doesn't have to be what someone listening values. You figure out what that is. Yeah. And if your significance, I would just say kind of like as a 
one of my last thoughts is like, if your significance is tied up in a number financially, I would look into that. You know, I'd figure out why, because you have so much value to give and you have so much to bring to the world. Like if your value is tied up in a number, you're never going to find that, that Mm -hmm. fulfillment in whatever it is you're doing. Never. And I I know we're going to wrap up here and that, you know, sometimes when like Fidelity has their website and people say, oh, you have to have X amount of dollars, a number in the bank in order to retire. Mm -hmm. That's not true. You need to really sit with somebody that understands inflation and taxes and you, they Mm -hmm. need to understand you and what makes you tick and what your, what not necessarily, or maybe what your why is, because if it's family, then your plan needs to be focused around family. Mm -hmm. If, but it's for me and for my clients, it's never around a number. You need to have X amount of dollars in the bank. No, no, you have to have balance and you, you need to feel like you've set up these silos or these buckets of money to achieve these goals that are based upon your passion and, and what your love is for and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and for anyone listening that has kids and is like thinking about their college, like before you think you have to spend, send them to that really expensive school, just remember you could, your kid could end up with Eric as an adjunct professor. Yeah. <laughs> so. You're welcome. <laughs> But no. they would, but they would learn out of the box, right? Which is huge. And and so one last thing, when I when I t- was a student at Bentley, I appreciated those professors of mine that came in with experience in life, right? And didn't teach out of the book. They might have referenced the book for something, but they taught based upon their experiences. And whether it's school or a hobby of yours or something you're passionate about, if you can seek out those that have more experience that you trust, you're going to learn a ton from them. Right. And it's up to you to do what you will with it, that experience and that knowledge that other people have. Yeah. Yeah. And and just one more last thought. <laughs> I have multiple last thoughts. I don't want to deter anyone who feels like they're not making much money. Like this is something you can do no matter where you're at. Yeah. Like you can start this process. So oh, yeah. this is really relevant to everybody, but yeah. Um, so awesome to do this yeah, with you. Yeah, this the, was awesome. This was the, a surprise. I, I didn't know. know that I was going to be doing this. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. You do what I say. Yeah. Um, it was funny in the first like 20 minutes, we couldn't look each other in the eye because we were afraid we were going to Yeah, I thought I was going to have to turn my chair around. But, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this, Eric. Absolutely. This is awesome. Hopefully and people got something out of it. I know they will. And where can people find you? Like if they wanted to reach out or potentially work with you in the future or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you can reach out. Uh, my website's Panorama wealth strategies. Um, I'll link to it for everybody. And my name is Eric Potts, E-R-I-K. But whoever you use to kind of help you through these uh, decisions that you're, that you're going to have in life, make sure you trust them. Make sure they, they come with some references to back up that they are kind of who they say they are. And they actually do have your best interest in mind when they're making, helping you make these decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You've definitely been that for us. I would always do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing frommies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.